Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the 500th episode of Travelers Radio. I wanted to get a horn, but I couldn't find one, so I have to wait <laughs> till next New Year's Eve. But tonight we present an hour-long special featuring four great guests of the past, all specifically invited back for this occasion. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent Lee, and we are in the 12th season of Travelers Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travelitch Radio. And we have four guests on tonight's hour-long special, Jay Smith of Sports Travel and Tours, Sue Presby of the Mount Washington Cog Railway, Tony Mua of a Slice of Brooklyn Bus Tours, and Denise Seelman of the Phoenician, my favorite resort. So let's start with Jay Smith, the owner-operator of Sports Travel and Tours, based in Hatfield, Massachusetts. Jay, welcome to Travel with Radio and our 500th anniversary special. Thanks for having me, Dan, and this is awesome. 500th show. That is a wow, and if I would call it anything, it's a total grand slam. You you rocked it, dude. 500 shows. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Congrats. (laughs) Jay, thanks to Sports Travel and Tours, anyone can go to any game, anytime, anywhere, and that includes the big ones like the All-Star Game in July and the World Series in October for baseball fans. Greyhound says leave the driving to us, but the motto could be leave everything to us for sports travel and tours. Would you explain? Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's the case because that's pretty much our slogan is any game, any place, any time for any sport. If we can do it, we surely will. Uh, yeah, this came about. We 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 you know for us we we plan it, we coordinate it, we put it together. Um, you sit back and just let us know what you want, and we do all the work. Uh, we have wholesale rates, and we have a staff that coordinates it all. And whether you want to go independently with two people, 40 people on a group, or 400 people on a bigger group or an incentive program, uh, we dot the I's, we cross the T's, and we make sure that every program that we send out, sends out is a success. It's a lot of work, but it's fun because we deliver fun for people. That's the key. And you have access to tickets and sports events that typical fans can't find, including things like the just-completed Masters Golf Tournament and the upcoming Baseball Hall of Fame inductions. So how do sports travel and tours get those? Uh, That's a fairly large um, answer. Um, (laughs) Well, it it really depends on a lot of... uh, uh, avenues it's a matter of what the event is first um there's lots of sponsors advertisers coaches players umpires uh seasons ticket holders which are key uh in our mind you know seasons ticket holders of let's say you know major league baseball they get 81 games to have to buy and if they have two or four seats or six seats they can't possibly go to 81 games Mm -hmm. so we we keep that in our database um we we find what people want. So the answer really is depending on the game and the event and where people want to sit, that demands and and kind of guides us as to where we need to go for those tickets. You know, a ticket, th- uh, 
tickets that are three rows in back of the dugout for a, you know, a World Series game are not going to be purchased in the box office. No. That would be a, you know, Major League Baseball tickets or season's ticket holders that got the availability of the tickets. And sometimes people look to make some, you know, a lot of money. Um, you can pretty much get, I've said this many times in my life, you can pretty much get anything that you want with one thing, and that's money. The only thing you can't buy for money is your health, but everything else has some kind of price tag. So having gone to Cooperstown with your company every year since 2014, I know you guys take care of accommodations, transportation, and ticketing to a crowded event where it's almost impossible to drive a reserve on your own. Isn't that a classic example of one-stop shopping for the sports fans? Yes, the Hall of Fame induction is a is a great um, a great event to describe because it is uh, really congested. There's you know could be thirty, forty, fifty, eighty thousand people all in one place. The community itself is small; it only has I think two or three thousand full time all year residents, and the town just is it blossoms in one weekend. So because of our partnership with the Hall of Fame. Uh, we are able to not only drop people right off in front of the hall, we pick people up, we drop you right off at the Hall of Fame induction site, pick you right up at the site. So you don't have to park, you know, three or four or eight miles outside of town, have to walk into town or look for shuttle buses. Again, it comes back down to the first question in regards to leaving everything to us. This is just another event that we take care of all of the details in order to give people a chance to enjoy themselves rather than having to worry about what they're doing. I know that's a great idea because for years I didn't want to go to inductions because I thought it was too crowded and too crazy, and I'm glad I found sports travel and tours. So, Jay, how long has sports travel and tours been operating, and how did you become the official tour operator of the Baseball Hall of Fame? Uh, this sports travel and tours was incorporated in um, September of 1996. So we've been around a little longer than your than than, than this show has been. Um, <laughs> and and we did sign on with the Hall of Fame as their official licensed uh, travel company in 2007. Right right just before a few months before Cal Ripken got inducted. And it really came about, Dan, as a, a, a quick uh, comment from me. Uh, we were already doing business with the Hall of Fame. We were not their partners at the time. And one of their marketing folks, uh, Ken Meifert, I said to him at the time, I'm not leaving this planet until sports travel and tours is hooked to the hip with the Baseball Hall of Fame because we have a perfect match. We have a round mm. peg in a round hole. We operate and bring people to baseball games and events. The Hall of Fame is baseball, and we're going to make this happen. It took me 10 years to make it happen, but we've been their partner, and it's been a great great ride and a great partnership. Our teams work very well together since 2007. Now, Jay, are you able to get tickets to things like the London Series, the Field of Dreams game, the Little League Classic, things like that? Yeah, sure. They're more, you know, one-up. They're, you know, smaller events. They are starting to catch a little bit. The London Series, we actually have a program uh, that is set to go. It's a five-day program in June. Um, it uh, heads out on Thursday uh, into London, obviously, and it does uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the two games, and leaves on Monday. It's got a bunch of other frills to it as well. Um, so we surely do uh, operate and can get those tickets as well. Sometimes, again, uh, the Field of Dreams, there's minimal tickets and they're very costly. But if somebody would like to put the, the, pro, the program for themselves together, we surely can do it. Most of the time, most of the time when we when we plan a program for folks, even on an independent basis, we call it FIT, Flexible Independent Travel, it ends up being where we do all the work and because of our rates, our wholesale rates, many times the price point, it could be the same or less than if you were to do it on your own. But even if it's the same, we do all the work for you. And we send right. you out a nice packet of 
a packet of information with where to go, what to do, how to get there. And even if you're doing your own program, we take care of all of the hassle um, out of it. Hmm. And you've done a great job of overcoming the setbacks, like the COVID caused cancellation of the All-Star Game, the move of the All-Star Game from Atlanta to L.A., the date change of the Derek Jeter induction from July to early September. Don't you often have to do things last minute, such as getting tickets for playoff and World Series games almost immediately? Yeah, those couple of events, the playoffs and World Series, are last minute. I was having a really good time on this interview and show until you reminded me of all of the things that we had to get through. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, it's it's an amazing thing. I still have hair on top of my head, and that's some of it's some of it's gone. Um, it, it has been a, it has been a struggle. We have gotten through it all. Uh, you know, we had the recession as well. We had the the lockout. You didn't we missed the lockout where there was oh. no baseball for four months. Um, oh, but yeah, the the getting those last minute um, those last minute events are a little more difficult because we don't know what city they're going to be in. You know, the World Series, the playoffs, things like that. We do have to hop, jump through hoops rather quickly we have a little formula ourselves that i'm going to keep to myself because it's a good hint in order for us to figure out where the final world series or playoffs are going to be um but it is last minute if the playoffs are over on a sunday and the world series is starting on wednesday um you know we've got to jump pretty quickly to develop it plan it you know book it and then um operate it all in all in literally three days but we're used to it. We understand it. It's not fun sometimes, but uh, mm-hmm. we do indeed get it. We do indeed get it done. Well, Jay. Also, can you talk a little bit? Do your passengers have to travel in groups? But you also talked about they can travel independently. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, the the we do have um, pre. We kind of call them pre-packaged programs. So our tour-related programs, a trip that let's say would do the West Coast ballparks and going from, you know, San Diego, Anaheim, um, the Dodgers, San Francisco and Oakland and Seattle. That would be a prepackaged tour program. It's all set up already, all planned out, and you look at it and we have trips like that that are regionally all over the country. Our Midwest one, you know, would do Chicago, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Kansas City and St. Louis as an example. And our East Coast programs of course do uh, at, at Washington up to Boston with Baltimore, Philly, uh, New York, and maybe Cooperstown in there as well. Um, so they, they're pre-done programs, and you say, I like that. That's what I want to do. I want to get to every ballpark in the country, and these these programs work perfectly for me. But there are people who would rather not travel as a group, or they have a certain only you know four days or five days they can travel, and we have a program which is called Flexible Independent Travel, FIT, that we customize the program specifically to the liking of the traveler, where depending on which city they're in, the type of hotel that they'd like to stay in, um, the ballpark, the, the location in the ballpark that they would like to sit, uh, and we customize it. Uh, specifically for them, and then they go out and do it on their own. So we don't have a tour host on the program. It's an independent program, but we package it all up and make it as easy and hassle-free as we can with instructions and where to go and what to do and make it pretty simple. Jay, where do you find your bus hosts, and how do you train them? Uh, Most of our hosts actually, um, other than Dan, most of our hosts have actually come from uh, being customers. They travel on a program with us. They love what they do. They love what they did. And then Mm -hmm. they come back to us and they say, you know, gosh, this looks like so much fun. I love to travel. Um, This looks, I love sports. This is something that I would love to be able to do. And we groom them. We have them go out on a trip or two or three as an assistant. And eventually once they um, you know, get a little bit more in tune to what we do and how we do it, and we kick them out of the nest, and they would run their own program. Wow. Jay, you get lots of repeat business. Is that because sports travel and tours adds little extras, such as talks by former umpire Al Clark or evening baseball lectures, 
giveaways like Hall of Fame pins, postcards, magazines, and memberships? Um, that is part of it. I think um, I think people nowadays, Dan, want experiences. Um, you know, the big things take care of themselves. I can't make Yankee Stadium or Wrigley Field any better than they are. Uh, but it's the little in-between things that people can't get on their own that become special to our program. It takes, you know, I've said this many times, you, you can take um, you can take most travel programs and even from the other hosts that you'll have on or other guests that you'll have on, you know, everything is good. You can't have a bad experience going places and traveling and seeing things. If you do, there's something obviously wrong sometimes with the traveler, <laughs> But in, in the case of, of us being the provider of things, um, there's not a lot. It, it doesn't take a lot to go from a good program to a great program. And it's the little things along the way that people can't get on their own, the small things along the way that people like, and those are the things that people go home and remember. Um, and the games and the events and the things that they see are great, but it's the small things that really do add up and count. So our repeat business is incredible. We used to say we used to be happy when it was 40%, then it got to 70%, and now we're hitting upwards of 80% return rate. So once somebody comes with us on a program, uh, they do tend to come back again um, in future years. Wow. Jay, Great how question. to travel its radio listeners, book trips and tickets, as well as learn more about sports travel and tours? Oh, well, that's easy. We, of course, have a website. Uh, it is just as the company sounds, sports with an S, travel, and A-N-D, tours.com. That's sports, travel, and tours.com. And, of course, we have an eight toll-free 800 line. It's 800-662-4424. That's 800-662-4424. And we're accessible pretty much. We're in the East Coast time, but we do uh, our hours are generally normal business hours from, uh, you know, 9 to 5, 5.30, uh, Monday to Friday. But if you need us off hours, we're generally around as well. That's Jay Smith of Sports Travel and Tours, a great guy and a great company, and I speak from personal experience. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll hopefully be around for the next 500. Let's <laughs> hope so. Okay, now let's bring in our second special guest, Sue Presby of the Mount Washington Cog Railway. And like Jay Smith, you are baseball and you're based in the Northeast. Just want to make sure I have the right button here. And I do. Okay, Sue, you are alive. Congratulations on winning that MVP award at the 2003 Red Sox Female Fantasy Camp. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to both you and Mary Ellen on 500 shows. That's amazing. The cog is only 154 years old, so I feel young compared to you right now. (laughs) This was really hard coming after Jay because I've been taking notes during his entire interview. (laughs) Before I get to the cog, I do have to give a shout-out to sports. I have to give a shout-out to the Red Sox. And believe it or not, the Yankees, because those are the only two MLB franchises that have women's fantasy camps. So Ooh. that's my plug for both of them. So that's a really good thing. But the cog is my baby. <laughs> well, i got to tell you, years ago I did the Cubs fantasy camp back in the 80s when Randy Hundley was running it. They had uh-huh. one female camper in that fantasy camp. One. Wow. Uh-huh. There are some women that do the men's camp, but they started the women's camp in 2016. Um, so, yeah, and the Yankees and the Red Sox are the only two that do an absolutely all-female fantasy camp. Hmm. Okay, but, Sue, let's talk trains. Yours climb Mount let's... Washington, the tallest peak in the Northeast, and the one with great views when it's clear and wild weather conditions when it's not. Tell us about the cog. How old is it? How long is it? And whether weather ever stops it. Well, the Mount Washington Cog Railway is the oldest mountain climbing cog train in the world. As you said, it goes to the top of Mount Washington, which is the highest peak in the Northeast. It's 6,288 feet. Um, the visibility on a clear day is, it can be up to 100 miles. You can see into Canada, you can see all the New England states, and I've actually been on the summit and seen the cruise ships in Portland Harbor and Portland, Maine, which is amazing. <sighs> 
Um, you brought up the wild weather, and it's considered to be the home of the world's worst weather. And we just passed an anniversary on the 12th of April. In 1934, they set a record of 231 miles per hour. That was the highest wind speed that was recorded by an instrument. And it, they're not sure if it actually went higher because the anemometer, I think that's what the word is, broke. So they actually got it at 231 miles an hour, which, interestingly enough, the weather is really the reason that the cog was built. Um, The person who's responsible for building the cog is Sylvester Marsh, who was, in the 1800s, a very successful meat packer in the Chicago area. He moved to to the Boston area, and he and his pastor decided they were going to go hiking, So they went to Mount Washington, and the base of Mount Washington is about 2,700 square square feet. 2,700, that's the altitude. Um, No, yes. So it was a beautiful day. They started hiking up from the base, and as is known to happen, the weather changed on a dime. And they hit this very, very bad storm, and they were were very concerned about they were going to lose their lives. They were actually able to get to the summit, and they found what is called the Tip Top House. This was in 1857 that they were hiking. There was the Tip Top House, which was a hostel that was at the summit of Mount Washington that had built in 1853, and they were actually able to take shelter in this building. They Obviously, they survived. They got down the mountain, and Sylvester Marsh being basically a renaissance man, said that, you know what, there has to be an easier way to get to the summit of the mountain. So he started thinking about it, and he thought that he would try and build a railroad. And at the time, he had to go to the New Hampshire legislature to get permission, so he went and gave his plan that he wanted to build this railroad. And they basically laughed him out of the building and called him Crazy Marsh, (laughs) And they said, okay, if you want to build a railway to the top of the mountain, then we'll just give you a charter to actually build a railway to the moon because it's just as likely (laughs) to happen. Well, he did it. And from 1857 is when he first climbed the mountain and had his incident. In 1869, July 3rd, 1869, the railroad was completed, and it took its maiden voyage to the top of the mountain. So it, was, it went from 2,700 feet to 6,288 feet. That all had to be cleared. Track had to be put down. The other problem that he had was the grade because it varies between 28% grade and it goes as high as 38%. So on Jacob's Ladder is the 38%, which basically means when you're in the coach, the person who was sitting in the front seat is actually 14 feet higher off of the ground than the person in the very back seat. So they had to develop, that's where the cog part comes in. It's like a bicycle sprocket. Basically, it's teeth. Um, A regular railroad rides on the rails on either side. The cog, what happens is it's the center cog gear that propels the train up the mountain, and it's the only way that the train would be able to get up because of the high grade. Hmm. And is it true you have two working steam locomotives, one more than 100 years old? Yep, we have two. One is from 1875, and the other is in, was built in 1908. Obviously, they've been worked on since then, <laughs> but they, yes, they do. Re- they go back that far. Ah, oh, and knowing the New Hampshire weather in winter, how long is your operating season, and do you have a minimum that, age for participants? Well, it's real. I'm glad you asked that question because we are now running year round. Um, oh. Usually. The summit closes, the buildings at the summit close mid-October just because of weather and the staffing. So we have only been able to go to the summit usually about the 20th of October is when the summit closes. So we haven't been able to go because there's no place for our people to go once they get there. So Mm -hmm. up until the past year, we've only run until probably the end of October. But... Um, and I think it's even since Dan was there the last time, at, um, at 4,000 feet, we call it Wombeck Station. We have now built three separate decks with, um, hot, we call them lean-tos, with shelters. 
that are but we have um, heat uh, heat lamps in them, and we have a fire pit. So people in the winter time and after the summit closes, we can go there. We have a fire pit. The kids can roast marshmallows. We have coffee and hot cocoa that is there. The views are spectacular. So we're now a year-round destination. Oh, cool. <laughs> And the age limit, you, we don't have an age limit. If you, I think it's children under three can sit on your lap. If they're going to sit in their own seat, there's a charge. But there's no age, you know, no underage. You, as old or as young as you want to be on the train. Excellent. And so having been on the cog with you, I love the views, the steep grades, and especially the historic narration. I learned so much. So would you say riding the cog is both an entertaining and an educational experience? Entertaining, as you can say, as you said, Dan, we have some great, we have both a brakeman who is in the coach, and there's an engineer obviously running the engine. Um, the brakeman the entire trip up is giving a narration. They talk about the history of the mountain, the fact that when, you're, when you leave the base until you get to the summit, you go through different climate zones. You start out in the hardwood, and then when you end up, you're in the subarctic. So they talk about that. You, um, you learn about... Um, weather, you learn history, you learn physics, you learn weather, you learn geology. There's some plant life that is only grown at the summit and in Newfoundland, um, not Newfoundland, yeah. So there, it's, there's a bunch of different things. And I know some schools have actually been able to get grant funding because there's such an educational component that they've been able to have their trips funded through grants. Hmm. How long is your off-season, and do you need to do maintenance on your facilities and locomotives, especially in view of their age? We do. Um, I think the last time we talked, which was right after COVID, um, had, we had gotten through the initial stages of COVID. Um, we had just finished our re-railing project, so we had replaced the 25-pound rail with 100-pound rail for the entire three-mile track. At that same time, we had just, or we were just completing our 3,400 square foot new shop facility, which is, we can now put all of our engines in there. We have a plasma cutter. We have robotic welders. We, we do all of our own maintenance on our coaches and on our engines. Um, we actually build all of our coaches our, ourselves. We have some of the most talented um, woods craftsmen and um, steel workers that work right on facility. So we are able to do everything right on property. We may have to have some of the parts machined out, but pretty much all of our work is done in-house. Hmm. And when people go, what do they find at the summit? Are there other ways to get there besides the train? Yep. At the summit, there is what they call the Sherman Adams Building, which um, houses the Mount Washington Observatory and also the a weather station, which is manned 365 days a year, every single hour. So they come up, and I believe in the wintertime it's like three-week shifts, and they stay there around the clock, and they actually go out and do weather readings every single hour, and that is every single day, every single hour. And I, they do tours. Um, we don't organize them, but you, they, you can organize a trip so you could go up on the cog and do a tour. There is a museum that talks about the weather. There is also, as I said, the tip-top house that saved Sylvester Marsh's life is still there. Mm-hmm. And there is also there's a gift shop and there's a small um, cafeteria-style dining area. And they, there are three ways, actually, to get to the summit of Mount Washington. You can obviously take the cog. On the opposite side of the mountain is the Mount Washington Auto Road, where you can either drive your own car up or you can take one of the auto road vans. And then, obviously, the other popular way to get there is to hike. And there are two separate trails that you can get to from the cog side of the mountain. There's the Jewel Trail and the Amanusik Ravine Trail. And both of those are, it takes about four hours each way. To get, and that's if you're an experienced hiker. It is not something that if you're not an experienced hiker, you just want to say, oh, I'm going to go for a hike and I'm going to hike to the summit of Mount Washington because it's, 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 a treacher, it's not treacherous, but it's challenging. And as I said, the weather can change on a dime. Mm. Now that we're into April, is your busiest season just ahead? And what will past riders find this year that they haven't seen before? Well, um, as I said, we now have the Wombeck Station. 
the um, it's not something that they haven't seen before. The first time we did it last year, for the first time, we had an event called Race the Cog, and oh. basically it's and I, these are what I would consider. It's not road racing. It's not like running the Boston Marathon. This is very much a rocky trail that is beside the um, the tracks. So they will leave at the base of the mountain at the same time that one of our biodiesel engines leaves the the, the, um, the the Marshfield Station. And they will race the train to see if the runner or the train gets there first. Last year, actually, the runner beat the train by three minutes. It took oh. him 39 minutes and, I have to get this right, 39 minutes and... 14 seconds. He built. He beat the train by three minutes. And we're doing that event again on June 24th. And there are people have already registered, but if you have somebody who's interested in running it, then obviously they can check out Race the Cog. But there is also, there will be a train going up alongside the runners, cheering the runners on. So that's an exciting event that we've got going on this year. Um, other than that, other than the year-round operation, I think those are our two big things that we've got going on this year. Hmm. And unfortunately, Sue, we've, we've got to move on to our next guest. But we've been talking with Sue Presby, co-owner of the Mount Washington Cog Railway, for reservations and more. <coughs> excuse me. How do listeners contact you? Well, there's two ways. There's www.thecog.com. Um, and I encourage you to go there because the pictures on there speak much better than I do. Um, you can also call the 800 number, which is 1-800-922-8825, or you can just drive up Route 93, um, come up from Boston. We're about 120 miles from Boston or down from Canada, 170 miles. Okay. And your website? You, you it's www.thecog.com. Okay, and you're listening to the 500th anniversary episode of Travel It's Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. Check us out on iTunes, blogtalkradio.com, or the Travel It's Radio Facebook page. Moving on, we're bringing in Tony Mua, not only my friend, but a guy who shares my birthday of May 6th, not too far away. So happy birthday, Tony, in advance. Let's celebrate with a pizza or something chocolate on your slice of Brooklyn bus tours. Tell us how a small pizza tour evolved into so many different offerings. Uh, hey, Dan. Hey, Mary Ellen. I just, as we say in Brooklyn, mazel tov. This is an honor. Uh, I've <laughs> been a, a part of many of these with you, and I look forward to being a part of many more, Dan. But it's great, great to see how far you've come along. And, yes, early happy birthday to you as well. And uh, it's great to be here. Thank you again. Okay, our pleasure. How did you, how did you expand a small pizza tour into what you're doing now? Well, basically, you know, I left 20 years in healthcare. Um, you know, I, I was as a proud Brooklynite. I just loved the borough, and I wanted to be able to create a way for people to experience, you know, the things that have made Brooklyn famous: its foods, its neighborhoods, its landmarks, its movie locations. Uh, as you know, we started with the pizza tour, which uh, was back in 2005. This will be our 18th year doing tours, which is crazy the way time flies, as I'm sure you know. Um, but we started with the pizza tour and then um, developed the Best of Brooklyn tour that includes a lunch stop at Junior's and Brooklyn Heights and Greenwood Cemetery. And, you know, we have our Christmas lights tour. And, you know, we took a big hit like many people did during COVID, and we shut down in March I know. Remember the date exactly, March ninth, twenty twenty. Unfortunately, we're still only operating at about thirty percent. Um, but NYC and company is uh, uh, predicting about sixty million visitors to New York City this year, uh, that's, which is a great number. But as you know, that's a fraction of what normally comes. So I think we're still in the recovery phase. But I'm excited to see what the summer brings. Uh, and uh, we're relaunching, I'm happy to announce, we're relaunching our chocolate tour next month. And that was another tour mm -hmm. that unfortunately had to take a back seat because with COVID, you know, you lose staff members. And uh, one of my tour guides who have been with me forever, my cousin Paula, she 
during COVID got married, had a baby. So you're kind of trying to, you're trying to adapt. But we're still here, uh, just like uh, any other, you know, Brooklynite. You could knock us down, but we keep getting up, you know. So uh, <laughs> we, we hope to be here for a while. And, and then the real, the real goal this year is to be able to, as I said, we're relaunching the chocolate tour because that had been our our most recent tour just before COVID. Uh, what we're really hoping to do is bring it full circle and actually get a chance to launch our brewery and distillery tour, which sadly was supposed to launch on April 1st of 2020, but we shut down the month before. And so, you know, when you come back from COVID, you know, who's not working where they were working, who's not familiar with plans that were made. And it's been a real uphill battle, but, you know, no more so than when I first started. And so you adapt and you, 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 you do different things to get the word out. Um, but it's still one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I mean, the, the joy of, 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 of exposing people to Brooklyn. I mean, can you imagine what it's like when you have a bus full of people and the, and the, you know, you've got people from Australia, from Germany, Nebraska, Canada, you know, California, Ohio. I mean, to get people from around the country and around the world and, you know, take them to Brooklyn for the first time and take them literally from Dumbo over the Manhattan Bridge all the way down to Coney Island, which for some people is a bucket list location. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, every day is, is, is really rewarding. So uh, we're staying hopeful, like many people are, and we know that it's going to bounce back. And we've stayed in touch with our customers who have been loyal, and we try to have a good social media presence and uh, uh, adapting. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And your company's name is very clever. A slice of Brooklyn is obviously a double meaning, since you give passengers slices of Brooklyn history as well as slices of world-famous Brooklyn pizza. Is it the water that makes the pizza so terrific? Sure, of course. The water, uh, the people making it, of course. And I thank you for saying that about our company. The other thing that I'm proud of is our official slogan, which is, of course, Manhattan. Forget about it. I've had that copyrighted (laughs) and trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) Since I've been on your tours twice, Tony, I know passengers get off the bus several times, bypass the lines and the pizza places, and spend most of their time laughing at the commentary of you and your tour guides. I learned more oh. about Brooklyn in one afternoon than in my whole life before my first day on your minibus. Oh, that's awesome, Dan. I really appreciate you saying that. You know, there are certain things that, um, that uh, you know, we love to hear, and we love hearing things like that, and we love how, you know, even we just had a woman who just came and we do a lot of group tours for tour operators. You know, a lot of Brooklynites have left, you know, they're retired and they move into a lot of these 55 and over communities. And so, you know, many of them do bus trips. And we just did one for a group from New Jersey and, uh, and she came back with her son. She grew up in Brooklyn, but her young son obviously grew up in New Jersey. But she had a blast just showing her son the old stomping grounds. And she said to us, you know, for, you know, to be a Brooklynite and still be able to learn about my borough is awesome. And so we always say, you know, whether you've been to Brooklyn before, you've never been to Brooklyn before, we kind of will search out with a clean slate and give you a little bit of everything, you know. So when you're done, you really have a better understanding and grasp of the borough. And it's also important for people who aren't from here to get the lay of the land, you know what I mean? For someone to see, you know, they may come here and say, okay, well, I don't know if I'm going to jump on a train and take a 45-minute train ride out to Coney Island. But once we get on the bus and we show them, you know, and they're seeing the lay of the land of Brooklyn, so to speak, and realize that between Manhattan and Coney Island, there are just hundreds of things that you could see and do and eat in Brooklyn before you even get there. And so, you know, somebody, one of my friends once said that we're sort of like these ambassadors to Brooklyn. And, I'll, you know, I'll take it. I'll take that title. Mm-hmm. Now you were you said you were a former healthcare professional. How and why did you make such a total career switch? And how yeah, big a but, challenge was it? Um, well, that's a great question, Marilyn. Thank you. I, I was a respiratory therapist for twenty years. I basically took care of trach patients on ventilators, from premature babies to seniors uh, to the emergency room. And I worked at St. Vincent's Hospital in Manhattan throughout the 90s and I worked a 12-hour shift which allowed me the luxury of traveling throughout the 90s and I love traveling and 
whenever I would travel, I would go off the beaten path and locals would show me around and I would reciprocate for them by showing them around when they came to visit. And then soon enough, you'll find that they were sending their family members and asking if I would show them around. And oftentimes I would just ask them to put gas in my car and, you know, and I would just love showing them around. Um, and so little by little, Healthcare was changing. I was kind of getting burnt out after the 20-year mark, and I said, what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do. And uh, I was talking to my friends. It's kind of like that scene in The Godfather when Johnny Fontaine is crying to The Godfather. He slaps and He goes, you're going to act like a man. And, you know, my friends were like, <laughs> my friends were like, are you kidding me? What is it? You're like, you know, every time we talk to you, you're showing someone around the Brooklyn we always say that you're like, you know, that you love your borough. You know, why don't you do this? This is what you're meant to do. And a light went off. And sometimes it's right under our noses and we need friends and loved ones to point it out to us, right? So um, I thought to myself, well, you know, I mean, I do love Brooklyn. There are no tours of Brooklyn. At the time, Mayor Giuliani was increasing uh, tourism to New York City, which was a great move, but I still felt that it was too Manhattan-centric. And I thought, well, what about the boroughs? And, like, here we are 18 years later, and some of the other boroughs are still trying to make some headway as far as, you know, chipping away, you know, at the, the tourism uh, uh, industry and trying to get people to come and visit. Um, I just happened, you know, it was one of those things that worked out because there hadn't been a tour of Brooklyn in years, let alone a bus tour of Brooklyn. And so um, it was one of those things that kind of, took off and I thought well maybe if we do this on a bus and you know one of our trademarks is we use the screens of the bus with a DVD presentation so if I'm if we're driving by the old you know the old Paramount Theater in Brooklyn it's not there anymore it's now Long Island University but I can show you a photo of where it stood you know right before we go in for lunch at Junior's and so we use those screens for slides and I remember taking people from England to see where Saturday Night Fever was filmed and if they hadn't seen the movie they didn't know what I was talking about so now we use the screens of the bus to show the movie clips and well my gosh the movie locations included on our tours include The Godfather, Moonstruck, as good as it gets, Dog Day Afternoon, as I said, Saturday Night Fever, The Warriors. I mean, and so, you know, that along with slides and music. And so I thought, well, if we could do that, you know, you're always on a bus and nobody's using those screens. What if we did that to enhance the experience? And this was before, you know, things like the ride came along with, you know, with, with sort of the that system. Because I think that's, that always enhances, you know, the experience for people when you have stuff that you can show or play up on the screens and so that was it and it was a challenge it was a challenge it, at first it wasn't so much of a challenge because it was something people wanted and Beth Hotpaz who was the uh, travel editor of the Associated Press lived in Park Slope Brooklyn still does and she reached out to me and did a little three paragraph piece that went out to Parade Magazine and the Sunday nice. newspaper across the country and that was incredible and that really helped out and a couple of years later, it helped that the Today Show did a piece on us, and that went out, you know, when they were the number one rated show. There were challenges because when you start a company like this, you know, you go without health insurance because you're putting everything into your business. And But it was a labor of love, you know, and it still is. I mean, I certainly – it's challenging to deal with the things I'm not familiar with, like social media and search engine optimization and all these things that these younger kids are so much better at. Um, but, you know, we're chugging along, and, you know, it's sort of like uh, we're at the 18-year mark, and so we hope we'll be around for a while longer. So do Tony, you still pick I up asked, passengers? As I asked Jay Smith, where do you recruit your busloads, and do you give them a crash course in Brooklyn history, like what celebrities are born there, what movies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I you were breaking up, and I think you asked me about where – did you? What was the first question? Where are where we recruit? Who? Yeah, I asked. Uh, do you give them, Where do you get your bus hosts? And do you give them a crash course in Brooklyn history, such as what celebrities were born there and what movies were made there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that sets us apart is the fact that we actually go pick people up in Manhattan. I never thought. You know, I never felt that it was kosher, so to speak, to ask someone, and certainly not 18 years ago, people were not jumping on a train and coming to Brooklyn anyway. Now it's different. But I thought, well, if we want them to take the tours, we have to go 
to Manhattan. And then I was like, you know, uh, how do we keep people entertained the entire time? So, of course, you know, you learn about celebrities who are from here. Maybe you'll see where they live. As I said, the movie locations, there's a little bit of architecture. There's landmarks that people are familiar with. You know, being able to take them for the best photo under the Brooklyn Bridge, which people don't realize where the location is, and just little things like that, you know. And and, and it never gets tiring uh, every time doing a tour, whether I do it or one of my guides does it. It never, you never tire of just seeing your borough through the eyes of someone else. You know, they say, oh, you've been doing this 18 years. Every day is a different day because you're experiencing it through the eyes of people who've never been here before. And sometimes for many of them, all they know of Brooklyn is maybe because they remember the chase scene from the French Connection or they remember Mm -hmm. seeing Dog Day Afternoon. And suddenly I've had people say to me at the end of the tour sometimes, my gosh, I felt, you know, it's a four and a half hour tour. They said I felt like I was on a movie set the entire time because people don't realize how much Brooklyn is a part of their consciousness, whether it's the Brooklyn Dodgers, whether it's pizza, whether it's Coney Island, whether it's Junior's Cheesecake, whether it's, you know, I mean, you know, anything in Brooklyn that you can think of, people, to some people, it's been a faraway place. And so there's been no greater joy than being able to get a bunch of people on a bus who at first are very timid, very shy. No one's talking to each other. And by the end of the tour, everyone's talking and having a great time. And the real kicker is when we say to them at the end of the tour, okay, how many of you by show of hands, and please be honest, can see yourselves coming back to visit Brooklyn again? And, and all the hands go up. And that's mm-hmm. all. That's all I need to see that we've introduced okay. people to. Tony, Tony, we places. need your website, please. Yes, sir. <laughs> the website is easy. It's a slice of Brooklyn dot com. A slice of Brooklyn dot com. Okay, we need to move on. So, guest number three on our hour-long 500th anniversary special has been Tony Mua of a Slice of Brooklyn bus tours. Thank you, Tony. And now Thank it's you. time for a rest. Let's head west to the Phoenician, my favorite resort on the planet and talk to another friend of the show, Denise Theoman. This is a sprawling luxury resort in the desert on the border of Phoenix and Scottsdale, but guests never need to leave, do they, Denise? No, absolutely not. There's so much to do. We sit on 254 acres right at the base of Camelback Mountain. There's eight dining options. There's spa. There's golf. There's an athletic club. There's five pools. So basically, the Phoenician is a destination in and of itself. And because you have such benign climate, don't guests spend most of their time outdoors? Tell us all about that. Yes, absolutely. We're very fortunate here in the Valley of the Sun that we have 300 days a year of sunshine, um, rarely any humidity. Um, so it's a very nice climate and perfect for being outdoors and doing outdoor activities. So whether that's just taking a walk in Old Town Scottsdale and visiting the art galleries or hiking Camelback Mountain um, or going to a baseball game, spring training is huge here. We just finished that up. We've got 15 Major League Baseball teams that uh, make the Scottsdale and the Valley of the Sun their home for training. Um, So there's all kinds of things to do and you just can't beat the sunrises and the sunsets. No one or two are the same. Mm. Well, speaking of water, I love your koi fish who always seem to be begging for food from the people who pass by. For listeners who don't know, they look like goldfish that ate way too much at the midnight buffet. <laughs> yes, they do. They look like very, very large goldfish, beautiful coloring. Um, yeah, and they're in, in part of our water features, and uh, guests can feed them, and, and they're used to the guests feeding them, that's for sure. Hmm. Well, we know the Phoenician is proud of its multiple culinary options. It's a great place to dine with a view, desert landscape dotted by palms and surrounded by mountains. But please share, where should out-of-towners plan to eat? That's a really good question because there are so many offerings within the Valley and especially Scottsdale. It really has a very unique 
and popular uh, culinary scene. Um, so whether you're staying at the Phoenician and you want to eat at J&G Steakhouse, which is on the fifth level of the resort, so you get incredible views of the valley and beyond, or you want to try something that's a little bit more intimate where the, the menu items are decided by the chef the day that you come. Each and every day mm-hmm. they make a decision on what they're serving that night, and that restaurant is called F&B. So... There's the gamut of everything in between both of those uh, ends of the spectrum. Um, There's all kinds of casual eateries as well as fine dining, so you can't go wrong in anything you choose. Hmm. And, you know, guests of the Phoenician always enjoy walking around the property with the cameras. I remember walking to the front entrance just to get pictures of the Phoenician sign surrounded by those beautiful desert flowers. Is everything in bloom all the time, or does it just look that way? (laughs) Well, (laughs) most of it is, yes. Now, some of the actual native... um, cacti that you see will just bloom in the spring so kind of april may maybe even a little bit into june but the the remainder of the flora that we have there on property is managed by our landscaping team Um, and actually a lot of those flowers that you will see as you come up the drive um, are switched out every two to three months so everything is always in bloom always very colorful and of course right now with it being spring the colors are so vibrant it it just like looks like a color palette Denise, when I travel, I am big on three things, location, location, and location. <laughs> the Phoenician's in a perfect spot, not too far from Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, downtown Phoenix, Old Town Scottsdale, and, of course, Chase Field, home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do you agree, Denise? Oh, absolutely. Um, we're in an ideal location. Again, one being at the base of Camelback Mountain. We call it the sunny side of Camelback Mountain. Um, you're literally less than five minutes from Old Town Scottsdale. You're about 30 minutes or so from downtown Phoenix. Um, but, again, very close to everything, shopping, dining, activities. Um, it's just a great location. But yet we sit far off and away from kind of the, the street area. So when you first come to the Phoenician and you come off of Camelback Road and you make that turn into the drive, it's a little bit of a surprise to see this sprawling resort really at the base of the mountain and just surrounded by a beautiful desert. Now, Denise, the Phoenician has won and deserves many awards. I know it's a five-star, five-diamond property, and even has a resort within a resort that has won many honors. Could you tell us about that? Yes, absolutely. That is the Canyon Suites at the Phoenician, which is exactly right. As you said, it is our resort within a resort. So it's a boutique hotel. It's a much more intimate, exclusive experience. It has 60 rooms, 40 of which are suites. It has its own private pool with cabanas for rent. They have a complimentary executive breakfast every morning, but yet they have access to everything on the Phoenician Resort grounds. So it's the perfect combination of a little bit more off the beaten path and path and private, but yet again access to all kinds of dining activities um, and services of the Phoenician. Hmm. Denise, I wanted to ask you too about some of the attractions people can see nearby. Can you talk about some of those? Yes. Um, again, we have a lot of art galleries. There's the uh, Scottsdale Art Walk that takes place on Thursday night, so that's literally minutes from us. There's the Musical Instrument Museum, the Desert Botanical Garden. Again, as I mentioned, spring training. There's um, stadiums that host the teams throughout the valley, but um, Scottsdale Stadium, again, is about five minutes from the Phoenician. Uh, you've got Scottsdale Fashion Square, which is the largest enclosed mall in the United States for all of those that would like a little retail therapy. Again, great restaurants. And if you want to be outdoors, you want to do horseback riding, biking, hiking, um, again, incredible opportunities. You just It just doesn't get any better than Arizona. And the Herd Museum is one of your big attractions, too. Absolutely, yes. It's a, Her Museum is a Native American museum where you learn about the history and the culture of the tribes here and throughout the United States. It's a, it's a wonderful must-do museum when you're here. And I love the Musical Instrument Museum, too. That was a favorite when I was out there. Yes, it's wonderful, and it's set up so that it, it – 
you walk through the seven different continents. So as you go to each continent, you learn about the history of the mu- music there and how it's developed and and what is um, the focus of their music and the types of instruments they have. And then they have fun things from time to time. Um, for a while there, they had um, the piano that um, um, Imagine was written on. Um, and so you just you never know what you're going to see there. It can be different every time, but it's just it's such a depth of history and culture. It's amazing. And how far has that light rail system been extended? Um, it is. They're still working on it. Um, it's gotten out to the East Valley um, towards kind of like the Mesa region. So it's a great way to get downtown to get to Chase Field uh, to see, uh, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, we even have a college bowl game that we host at Chase Field, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl every December, um, which is a really fun experience because you get to see college football action in a baseball stadium. That's pretty good. That is really good. Mary Ellen? So we've been talking to Denise Seelman of the Phoenician, a great place in a great location. How do listeners learn more about it? They can go to thephoenician.com. For our boutique hotel on property, the Canyon Suites at the Phoenician, they can visit canyonsuites.com. And, Denise, before we sign off with you, is there anything you would like to add? One thing I'd like to add is just for people that maybe would like to come out to the Phoenician um, and you haven't been here before, summer is our slow season. People think, oh, but, you know, it's hot. It's the perfect time to visit because you're going to get the best rates of the year. It's not as crowded. If it's hot, you're outside at the pool or you're inside in the air conditioning, dining, or enjoying one of our indoor activities. We have whole kinds of seasonal celebrations for Memorial Day, 4th of July. And this year, um, in addition to having the best rates of the year, we're also offering a nightly $50 resort credit that you could use towards spa or golf or dining. And I was out there in the summer once for a Sabre Convention, Society for American Baseball Research, and I saw the only live no-hitter I've ever seen, and it was in that ballpark, which has a dome, and it was pitched against Randy Johnson, the Hall of Famer. He was the losing pitcher, one to nothing. The winning pitcher was Jose Jimenez of the St. Louis Cardinals, the only complete game he ever pitched in a major league. Wow. What a great story, and what a great um, event to see. Yes, it was incredible. In the fourth inning, I remember saying to the guy next to me, this guy's going to pitch a no-hitter. Sure enough. Really? Yep, you knew it. You could feel it. That's awesome. That was really amazing. Okay, and unfortunately, we have to go. So, Denise, want to give the Phoenician website, please? Yes, it is thephoenician.com, and again, canyonsuites.com for our boutique hotel on property. Okay, we've been talking with Denise Seoman of the Phoenician, a great place and a great location. And that is Thank it you so for much. the 500th anniversary special of Travel Witch Radio. Mary Ellen, did you want to say something? No. Did I cut you no. off? No. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> Many thanks to my friends and colleagues, Jay Smith of Sports Travel and Tours, Sue Presby of the Mount Washington Cobb Railway, Tony Mua of the Slice of Brooklyn Bus Tours, and, of course, Denise Seelman of the Phoenician. Hope to see all of you soon. And now that baseball is in full swing again, there's nothing better for off days and rain delays than a good baseball book. Like my latest, baseball's memorable misses, an unabashed look at baseball's craziest zeros. The funniest and most unusual baseball book of the year, it's an illustrated and entertaining paperback. Just fourteen ninety nine at your bookstore and even less from Amazon.com. Sandy Koufax is on the cover. Such a deal. Get it tonight. And that's it for this special edition of Travel It Radio. Next week, back at our usual half-hour format, same station, same time, we'll learn about Charlottesville, Virginia, the home of Thomas Jefferson from Brandon Ushery. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent Lee saying thank you so much for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.